dirt road in a gooseneck saddle up with me dry land in god's country crops far as i can see the headlights on both ends of my day this country Well, hey there, welcome folks to HPJ Talk, the podcast from High Plains Journal, bringing the ag news and commentary of the week to you. I'm Jennifer M. Latsky, and I'm joined by my colleague, Kayleen Scott. Hey, Kayleen. Hey, Jenny. Well, we're both back at home. It's a little bit more for convenience, though. I mean, you've got the kids, and and frankly, I've been accustomed to a certain lifestyle now. (laughs) You're not ready to give it up yet? tell you what, there is a certain comfort level of working from home that I have not really fully appreciated until the last four months. <laughs> yeah, I've definitely not done much of my own laundry besides shirts and t-shirts and shorts. <laughs> yeah, I gotta say, you know, we've said it once, we've said it twice, but you know what? Put those jeans on just in case, ladies, okay? <laughs> no, um, it, it's just a little bit more convenient to, you know, just get up and, and start the day and not have a commute, not have to worry about all of that. So, hey, speaking of homes, though, we had, I don't know, you're north of town, I'm in town. What was that, Saturday? Saturday night, we had a, a doozy of a storm? Yeah, so Friday morning, I got woke up by rain and thunder. And then Saturday night, we got another round. Saturday night was definitely worse. That's where we had the leading edge of the storm had 80 mile hour wind gusts. Yeah. And uh, I tell you what, I've never been in a hurricane. I've never been in a tornado, but that moved the wall. I was sitting on my couch, which leans against the north wall of my house. And I felt the couch move because the wall moved. (laughs) I, I don't think we need to have that. I think that's just outrageous. <laughs> yeah, fully expected there to be millions of holes in the siding of my house. As much as it sounded like it hailed, I don't know if it's the metal roof that makes it sound worse, but yeah, I was expecting total destruction and I found one hole, so. Well, that's not too shabby. Do you have any extra siding to put there and, and fix? No, I was going to. Find the gorilla tape and put it put it over there. <laughs> and that, I haven't, haven't done it yet. <laughs> and that, ladies and germs, is uh, home improvement by Kayleen. <laughs> For all of your home improvement needs, see Kayleen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I grew up in a duct tape household. Yeah. If, if duct tape and baling wire couldn't fix it, then it was really out of you were really out of luck. Well, and we had had to fix fence because the water, the creek that's in our pasture, it comes in from the neighbor's pasture, and then all the runoff from neighboring fields make its way through our pasture. So we had, let me count, one, two, three, probably five water gaps to fix in that pasture. Holy buckets. Yeah, and you could see where the water went well over the banks. It was probably 20, 30 feet away from the banks. 
So your uh, your Father's Day was all sorts of full of fun, wasn't it? Yeah, I just went out there and checked and seen what was torn down. He came back to the house and got his tools and everything he needed and headed back out there to help the neighbors because they were already down there on the north side. And he's like, well, there's a calf out. Go get the calf in. So I rode fence and it wasn't a calf, it was a cow and followed all their tracks. They must have been out for a while because there's tracks everywhere on the other side of the fence and found the hole where they climbed over and through and made sure nobody else was out got a count everybody was still there bless their hearts everybody's still uh everybody's still standing no hooves in the air huh as far as i know i tell you what it's hard it's hard to count the cat baby cams because they're either hiding or they're <laughs> side mom and yeah you know it's a mess I, I think I've told you this many times, but that's how I learned my numbers was counting calves with dad in the pasture. Yeah. <laughs> well, I tell you what, my, um, my weekend was kind of, you know, there was a lot to my weekend. I worked on some projects around the house. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not really, you know, going back out and doing a lot of shopping or anything like that, but, uh, I tell you what, the weekend before, did I, did I tell you about finding my treasure at the, uh, the barely making it antique store? You mentioned you went to the antique store, but. So went to the antique store and I found a John Deere planner, um, box. Like I've wanted Kayleen, you know, I've wanted one of these for forever and a day. And I finally found this guy's a picker. And so I finally found, uh, one that was a reasonable price. It wasn't antique store price. It was picker price. So I am on board and now I have to fill it with flowers that, um, my, my flowers were doing so great. I had my daylilies were opening up. Um, you know, my petunias were just finally putting on their beautiful display and everything. And that wind came through and I tell you what, it just knocked everything, all the tarnation. <laughs> so I should have gotten well, I some happened, photos. I happened to bow Thursday when it was hot and my internet wasn't working so I went out and mowed the yard thinking it was gonna rain and thankfully it did and the grass in the yard's kind of perked back up it has it really has I can tell mine too although I haven't quite gotten mine mowed and I'm starting to get some weeds cropping up so (laughs) I guess what I'm doing this afternoon (laughs) I know this sounds really boring to y'all but I tell you what um Nobody tells you when you buy a house that this all comes along with it. <laughs> that you're in charge of the yard. <laughs> that you're in charge of the yard, that you're in charge of the, the roof. I haven't been brave enough to get up on top of my roof, Kayleen. Have you? Um, no. <laughs> just, the metal, metal roof, and yeah, you'd probably slide right off. I just figure if God intended me to see what my roof looked like, then he would have either given me wings or stilts. And at, at this stage, you know, if, if something happens, something happens, um, I'm sure somebody will come along and tell me I have a problem with the roof and we'll, and that'll be fine. Honestly, there's a reason why I have a fella. <laughs> Garrett doesn't know this, but he gets to go up on the roof if I have to. <laughs> we have an old shed in our yard. It's been missing pieces and falling down since we've moved in here and it's been the intention that we would tear it down and use the tin for something else. And we haven't done it yet. 10 years later or almost 11 years, I guess. And 
that when the wind was blowing 80 mile an hour the other night, I was standing by the sliding glass and just waiting for it to just dismantle. But it didn't. <laughs> you know, you got to hand it to those old boys that were putting up buildings and outbuildings and houses and barns back in the day, because those things are sturdy with a capital holy bucket. <laughs> yeah, you could see it though. It was kind of kind of going up just a little and then it come back down. <laughs> you know, I I gotta say, you know, thank goodness for for dads um who teach us those skills though. I, I, I my dad didn't pass along a lot of of handiwork to me. I, I still have no idea about carpentry because dad did not want to fool around with wood. Um, he was a welder. Um, he was a fixer, a mechanic. He could do all that sort of stuff. He figured if it had to do with plumbing, he could figure it out. Wiring and carpentry, you hire professionals. That's yes. just all there is to it. You don't need to zap yourself. You know, at least with plumbing accidents, you know what? You can clean it up with a mop. <laughs> <laughs> Electrical work, you know, you hit the wrong thing and you're seeing way too many stars. <laughs> No, but um, we we joke a lot around our our house about dad's favorite fix-it product was duct tape. The man should have been sponsored by duct tape. You know, you you look at his farm truck and you'd hear a thunk, 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 every time he'd turn the corner. That was three rolls of duct tape underneath the seat rolling around <laughs> in various stages of use. I, I He had more duct tape and more baling wire hoarded then I don't even think manufacturers recommend. <laughs> How about your dad? Was he a fix-it? Oh, he was. He had his duct tape and, and baling wire. And when I was older, he he liked his vintage pickups. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is a classy way of saying calico truck. <laughs> no, it wasn't calico. It was all one color. <laughs> oh, ours were always calico. There were They were a coat of many colors. My dad was, he liked new things. He liked fancy things. So he, if he had a new pickup, he, he took care of it. It was usually spotless. <laughs> it's funny what they passed on to us, isn't it? Yeah. Well, tell Spence, happy Father's Day for us and pass that along. And and to you folks that are listening out there, have, happy belated Father's Day. We hope you had a good day. Um, we hope it wasn't too hot. And for you wheat farmers, I know that that rain in Kansas probably kept you out of the fields. But at least look at it this way. You got to enjoy your Dairy Queen ice cream cake in the cool of the, the living room, didn't you? <laughs> so how are you folks out there? Drop us a line at hbjtalk at hbj.com and let us know. Or call us at the office, 1-800-452-7171. Hey, and do us a favor. And head on over to iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts and leave us a review. So in this week's episode, we'll bring you the stories you might have missed in the June 22nd print edition. We're going to have a discussion with Tanner Antonick, Central U.S. Account Manager, and Zach Etter, Technology Development Manager for U.S. for Advanta, about the upcoming Alta Seeds Sorghum Frontiers Virtual Field Day. And Kayleen will bring us the latest on grain markets, and we'll have those final thoughts. Alta Seeds brings you this week's episode. Alta will debut its new iGrowth sorghum line July 8th in its first ever Sorghum Frontiers virtual field day online. iGrowth is the world's first non-GMO herbicide-tolerant sorghum 
that's commercially available in the United States market, enabling pre- or post-emergent weed control. Be sure to register at www.hpj.com slash sorghum frontiers to learn more about this new trait and the company that's bringing it to your farm. Hey folks, it's a hot one out there. So grab a cool drink, turn that AC up in the cab and ride with us here on HPJ Talk. In her story, Texas Trailblazer strives for long game, low input cotton. She talks with Jeremy Brown, Broadview Agriculture, near Lubbock, Texas. He recently started implementing regenerative agriculture practices to help bring the life back to his struggling soils. Brown was away from the farm for about 10 years before he was able to farm full time again. He started Broadview in 2010 and has nearly 4,000 acres predominantly in cotton. Brown told Newland that he had to start over in more ways than one, but time away from the farm was advantageous. Quote, during those 10 years, I went to college, graduated, and had different jobs that gave me opportunities to travel and see other production practices all over. Then when, he, when I got back into farming, I joined some leadership programs that provided travel opportunities. I'm really glad I had those 10 years away from the farm because it really opened my mind to other ways of doing things, rather than just the way my granddad and dad did it. Quote. You know, Kayleen, I got to meet Jeremy Brown at a Commodity Classic. He was down there with um, the Fertilizer Institute. He was recognized as one of their 4R um, award recipients. And I tell you what, he has a way of looking at farming. And I think it's because, honestly, I do believe it's because he had the 10 years or so away from the farm where he was able to see how other people do things and bring those new ideas back to the farm um, and, and use them and, and improve what they were doing. You know, you don't throw everything out. You just figure out a better way to do stuff. And sometimes there's people out there that figure it out before you do, isn't there? Yeah. It seems like that the more you're away from something, the more you can look at it critically and not just bounce back onto the way, oh, dad used to do it this way, I'm going to do it this way still. Right, right. You know, for example, the use of cover crops in cotton production in that part of the world in um, in West Texas is just not something that everybody does. To, to put it bluntly, it very few people think that cover crops can actually work down there because of the water situation. You know, you've got uh, precious water resources and, and ground that, that uh, you know, doesn't lend itself to cover crops according to, you know, everything that everybody ever knows, right? Well, Jeremy's yeah. figuring this out and and actually he is, he's figuring out how not to only grow cotton with cover crops, but do it in a way that he's making money. Um, his his uh, yields aren't going down. He's, his quality cotton is, is going up. Um, he's, he's making a success and it's because he looked at it from a different angle. You know, you're right. Every time that you can look and, and see things with a different perspective, you see stuff that you overlooked, don't we? 
Absolutely. How about you guys? When with you and Spence, you know, on your operation, you're farming by yourselves. You've got a little bit of of institutional knowledge with your families. You guys look at things though with different eyes because you've had experiences, right? Yeah, we try to. The things that I get to listen to, you know, during the week at my day job, that if it's interesting or kind of sparks some interest with me, I'll do a little research and then I'll share it with him. I think that's the way that uh, successful farmers, successful farm couples, that's how it works. You use everybody's strengths. Um, So if you want to learn more about what Jeremy's doing, be sure to to check that story out on hpj.com. In this week's issue, Kayleen also has a story on the inside, NAP talks weather forecasts during grass production seminar. Kansas State University hosted a webinar June 4th, and one of the speakers was Kansas State climatologist Mary Knapp. Precipitation during May is the biggest driver for grass production in Kansas. From west to east, the state saw a large variance in rainfalls. Knapp said that there was a very big gradient across the area. Uh, she said southeast Kansas has had so much rain that they're about ready to start building arcs. But in the western parts of the state, it's been more amounts that are insults rather than actually any kind of productive rainfall. Some areas, she said, have had between nothing and two inches of rain in May. And those really big departures from normal in western Kansas are critical to our crop production. In north central parts of Kansas, there's drought creeping in, and western Kansas, of course, is worsening. And in fact, I heard today that uh, the Kansas State Animal Science Department is going to have a beef webinar in July next week talking about how to manage your available forage in the times of drought. Right, Kayleen? Yeah, I, I believe one of us is going to sit in and listen on that. And hopefully, there'll be some good good hints and ideas from come from that. Yeah. On the opinions and editorials page, editor Dave Bergmeyer has his column, Summer Begins When Safety Should Be Top of Mind. A letter to the editor comes from Angela Biggs and Sandy Schalmers of NRCS and FSA in Wisconsin, reminding how farmers, ranchers, and private forest landowners can use conservation to protect pollinator habitat and still boost crop production. And in another letter to the editor, Hayes, Kansas attorney, Randy Clinkscales has his titled, We've Got This. Contributor David Murray has a couple of stories this week, ranging from China buying U.S. soy to how low water levels are crippling South American grain highway. And then he also has the latest on the EPA and dicamba issue that is ongoing right now. And Kayleen, that topic just changes almost hourly, it seems. Yeah, I can't keep up. I can't keep track. So folks, if the dicamba issue is something that is critical to your operation, be sure to watch um, hpj.com for updates as we get them and we'll pass them along there. And that's where the latest news will be found. Jennifer Thur has a story from our recent alfalfa U. Your neighbor's field is not the perfect example. When managing your irrigated alfalfa, do not make decisions based on what you see your neighbor doing. Jonathan Aguilar, water resource engineer for Kansas State University Research and Extension, spoke at the Dog City, Kansas Alfalfa U event. In many crop producing areas, rain doesn't always fall in the right place at the right time or in the right form. Aguilar said, before you begin irrigating, you decide, decide your end goal. Ultimately, one of your end goals should be to see a return on your irrigation system investment, but you also need to decide if you want to reduce water use or maximize profit. Once that decision is made, you can set up an irrigation schedule that helps you reach your end goal. 
And in our livestock section, Lacey Newland has a story about how proper water intake and cooling for cattle is very important as these temperatures begin to heat up. Kayleen also has a story about alternative feed sources to look at with the shortage of DDGs. Also included in this issue is a new feature section, the High Plains Land Journal. Editor Dave Bergmeyer has a story titled, Dream On, Crop Rangeland Holding Their Own as Investments. There's also a number of real estate listings and other information related to land and purchases. Be sure to check out that new section. I'm really excited about the uh, High Plains Land Journal. Uh, it's something that we've kind of brought back from um, a previous entity that it was in. And we know that there's a lot of land out there and a lot of people that are managing land and, and rural land resources. And so we're just trying to, uh, to make sure that we provide some critical information there for those decisions. And uh, we want to hear from you if, uh, if that land journal is something that piques your interest or if there's something that we can add to future land journals. Right, Kayleen? Right. And you can read more on the variety of ag issues facing farmers and ranchers in the Print High Plains Journal or look for it online anytime at www.hpj.com. Hey, and if you've got a response to something you've read or heard here, please write to us at journal at hpj.com or hpjtalk at hpj.com. We really want to hear from you. High Plains Journal's Cattle U is thundering back to the United Wireless Arena in Dodge City, Kansas, July 29th and 30th. Don't miss your chance to hear from the top names in the cattle industry and learn how you can bring more value to your herd. Sessions will target all segments of the cattle business, from the cow-calf producer to the feedlot manager. For registration details, visit cattleu.net. And don't forget to look for a code in the print edition of the High Plains Journal for $30 off your registration. Visit cattleu.net today. Hey, folks, we are thrilled to have joining us on the podcast this week, Tanner Antonick, who is the Central U.S. Account Manager for Alta Seeds, and Dr. Zach Etter, who is the Technology Development Manager for Advanta. And gentlemen, you are um, part of a team that gets to have a really great, you, you just have a really great job because Alta is introducing iGrowth. Um, which is a brand new revolutionary technology. And we're going to hear more about that in our Sorghum Frontiers virtual field day in July. But before we get there, uh, welcome to the podcast. And uh, tell us a little bit about what you do. Tanner, I'll, I'll, I'll have you lead off. Absolutely. Um, so I'm actually the Central United States Sales Manager, as you mentioned, and I cover most of the grain sorghum makers here in the United States. So on a day-to-day basis, I'm working with our distributor and retail partners, um, going over our product portfolios, teaching them how best to place our products on their growers' farms. Okay. And Zach, what, what all fun stuff do you get to do? Well, I, I kind of have a dream job when it comes to being an agronomist. Uh, so I support all product development bringing R&D products from the drawing board into the grower field and supporting Gander and our team in the field uh, throughout the season. I cover the entire United States, and I also work in collaboration with our partners around the world, Mexico, Canada, 
Argentina, Australia, and many other countries. So uh, we're really excited to be talking with you today about some of the developments here in the United States. Well, Kayleen, you've talked to these gentlemen before, and you're very familiar with the sorghum industry. Um, you've heard about iGrowth. In fact, you wrote a little bit about it in, in your last uh, Sorghum Technologies cover. Um, iGrowth is kind of exciting, right? Yeah, it's kind of a neat technology for farmers to have in their in their toolbox. Can you guys tell us what challenges farmers have in the field that iGrowth and Imaflex will be able to address? And what and from your viewpoint, what makes these technologies revolutionary? So one of the biggest changes uh, that we, we see with this technology is it the non-GMO technology. This was created through natural breeding techniques and, and all the advancements that have been made in that field of study. And bringing our team together from Argentina and Australia, uh, our R&D locations there, as well as our global uh, location here in College Station, Texas, really kind of brought new techniques to an old crop that hadn't seen those innovations. Uh, we've been working in other uh, technologies such as sugarcane aphid tolerance and, and addressing those issues for growers. But the biggest one that has been around for, for many years, based on uh, surveys we've taken of growers, has always been weed control. And that's been uh, something that we've been struggling with as an industry, and we feel that we, we have really brought a, a tool that they can use to correct that. So the high growth technology is going to be a really revolutionary idea for growers that have had to rely heavily on uh, pre-emerge grass control and then not having any kind of uh, control throughout the season. But I'd like to let Tanner tell you a little bit about how his growers in the field are going to be able to utilize this uh, on a first-hand basis. Yeah, I think one of the things I, I see a lot as I go around and I visit with growers is the fact that they see sorghum as a vital piece, uh, a vital part of their crop rotation. But as we look at certain acres, there's there's areas where they simply cannot use sorghum. And that's because of the grass and weed pressure they have. And so they're stuck staying in rotations, maybe they're cotton back into corn and back uh, back and forth between those two. And they really need to find a way to get sorghum there. And iGrowth is going to offer them the first, first chance to add sorghum back into that rotation. It's going to make it more profitable in the long run. And we see these similar issues all the way from the Rio Grande Valley in Texas all the way up through Kansas and Nebraska. So it's going to be exciting what a widespread impact iGrowth will have for growers across the United States. So, gentlemen, um, maybe explain a little bit to our, our non-agricultural listeners just how, how interesting it is that this is not a GMO-derived um, technology, but it was discovered through breeding practices. Um, maybe explain what that distinction is for people that aren't very familiar with um, with crop breeding? Well, it, it's a really interesting development in the industry. So I think most of the public is uh, somewhat aware of GMOs and probably the most generic way to define that is the introduction of non-natural uh, foreign DNA sequence to achieve a certain trait. Uh, but what we were able to accomplish as a R&D program is to screen massive amounts of material through all of the advent of marker selections and computer technology and being able to process massive amounts of information, we were able to uh, find this in our screening populations, this trait, and then continue breeding with it till we refined it to the point that we had a, a very stable 
uh, plant characteristic that we could breed with, and then going through the natural breeding process of trade integration into our elite lines to provide uh, top end yield, top disease, and, and drought tolerance. I think what we're seeing is uh, throughout the industry, but with the agrotechnology technology in particular, is this is kind of a new wave that uses and leverages new technology and new breeding techniques uh, to achieve not only the same results, but also at the same, uh, the biggest complaint has always been the GMOs were faster uh, and, and more efficient bringing the market. But with the technology we have now, it, it's, it's something that we can uh, bring a non-GMO product at the same rapid pace uh, to get it to the market and to solve these problems in a realistic time frame. But it's, like I said, a non-GMO, it allows us to provide product to markets that uh, around the world that may have some restrictions. Uh, it, I think the consumer has demanded these kind of uh these responses in the in the marketplace, and this is something that you know we're constantly listening to not only our growers to solve these issues, but to also the consumers that they're selling them to to provide them a product that that fits their needs. And this is a a great step for agriculture. You know, Kayleen, this sounds really great. I cannot wait. Can you and until we um, see this technology on the virtual field day? Yeah, the virtual field day will be on July 8th at 1 p.m., or you can review the recording in the days following. And we'll also have live field days in August and September in in Enid, Oklahoma, and Larnard, Kansas. And folks, you can uh, register for that virtual field day for um, Sorghum Frontiers at www.hpj.com slash Sorghum Frontiers. And you can also register for that August 18th uh, field day in Enid, Oklahoma, and the September 2nd field day in Larned, Kansas, if you'd uh, like to see these technologies in person in the field. Uh, Gentlemen, thank you so much for coming on to HPJ Talk. This is really exciting. I got to say, in 20 years of writing for High Plains Journal, I never thought we'd actually get to this point where we would start seeing technology like this for our sorghum growers. I I know I shouldn't have been so pessimistic because when we present you all with challenges, you all come through, don't you? Yes, uh, as as an industry, uh, you know we're we're very tied into with the growers uh, on a daily basis, and we're always up to a challenge. Tanner, any final thoughts? We're just really excited that it's finally here as well. We've got the benefit of being able to watch our uh, sister companies in in other parts of the world launch this already. We've been able to uh, learn from them. So as we step into the United States, we're going to be able to bring a global experience to the grower and make sure this is a successful launch from day one. Sounds great. Hey, thank you so very much for coming on to HPJ Talk. And remember, folks, to register for Alta's Sorghum Frontiers Virtual Field Day visit hpj.com slash sorghumfrontiers. We'll catch you on the trail, fellas. And now it's time for an update from the field with our All Aboard Wheat Harvest correspondence, brought to you by the Oklahoma Baptist Homes for Children, Umberford Manufacturing, AgriProceed, Agco Gleaner, and BASF. This is Kayleen Scott with HPJ Talk, and I'm here with Laura Hafner of the Hafner Crew. Where are you guys at right now, Laura? 
Yes, High Plains Harvesting, we're located in extreme southeastern Colorado, just across the border from Kansas. And we also have another crew running kind of around these um, Wallace, Greeley County areas. When did you guys move over there? They have been over there for coming up on a week now, pretty close to a week. Mm-hmm. So um, we moved, we finished up in north central Oklahoma and south central Kansas last weekend went ahead and made the move back west. Well, that sounds good. What's the condition of the wheat in the field where you're at? You know, it's pretty tough out there right now. Um, As you're well aware from your experience in agriculture, they've had a really tough drought in southeast Colorado as well as western Kansas. So the yields are, quite frankly, disappointing. Disappointing for the farmers, disappointing for us. But that's to be expected under droughty conditions. But on the other hand, they might be a little bit better than what they should be considering the conditions. I think our farmer told us that some people in the area had had approximately three inches of rain since July. So that's that's very disheartening Mm -hmm. (laughs) for for the agronomic conditions itself as well as, you know, the mental... um, it's just kind of hard to wrap your head around that when that's happening. So um, it's probably averaging in Southeast Colorado in that 20 to 30 range. Uh, test rates are a lot lower than we've been seeing. We've been seeing them anywhere from 64 to 65 throughout Oklahoma and Kansas, and they're much, much lighter here mm-hmm. in this part of the state due to drought and a little bit of freeze. And they did get some rain this past weekend, didn't they, out there? They did. So just last night, we've been seeing they got some rain and they were unable to cut today. So I think that ended their 25-day cutting streak that they had had going. So a much-deserved rest. You know, the, it was just hot and dry. You can remember those really windy days we had, and that kept things driving further and further north. And so definitely break today. That sounds like they needed a break. Um, how's the, the pulse of the team? Is Are they getting along with be in the, in the machines that long? I think they are. I think they've found their groove and, and they take pride that they're, they're going hard and going strong and getting the job done and they're doing a really nice job. So I'm, I'm thankful that they do have a good attitude and that they're really um, putting forth the effort because those are long days, but they understand the need and when agriculture gives you the, or when the weather gives you the opening to cut, we have to cut because you never know what tomorrow might bring. So they've been doing an excellent job staying positive. Well, that's good that they're staying positive. Did they take on their break? Did they, have they went and done anything fun yet? Um, I don't know. Since they're going, uh, that's happening today. I know one guy uh, reopened or some, changed some baking, so I don't know if that's exactly fun <laughs> for him, but that was something that he needed to take care of personally. So yeah. I hope that they're either getting some good naps in or, you know, maybe doing a little sightseeing, crossing the border over to a lake or something. But yeah. I haven't been privy to that information of how they're <laughs> using their day off today. <laughs> well, sometimes any little sort of break helps the morale a little bit. Absolutely. And it, it just depends on the years and the dynamics of the crew. Sometimes they just want to get caught up on their laundry and, you know, take some long naps. And some of them want to hop in the truck and go see whatever it is that they can see in that area. So every year is a little bit different. Well, that's kind of cool. This year we have the Facebook Live on the All Aboard Wheat Harvest page on Facebook. Have you been able to do that yet? I did a really brief one when we were in um, Western Oklahoma. And tomorrow, or excuse me, Friday, it's kind of easy to lose track of days during harvest. So on Friday, I believe I am scheduled to do a little bit of a longer session on that day. So I welcome any questions that anyone might have. And um, hopefully we can have a good conversation then. Well, that sounds good. I'll have to check it out. I missed Brian last week and 
when he was on the Facebook Live, but we did go out, get to go out in the field and visit with him when he was close here to Dodge City. Oh, good. Yeah, I got to catch it on Facebook, and he did a really great job. So where are you guys off to next? Um, that's, a, that's a good question. We got some news today that the acres in northeastern Colorado had kind of had some hail damage and stuff like that, so there's going to be some limited acres up there, but tentatively scheduled for that direction as well as western Nebraska. You know, it's a little bit tough this year with conditions. We acres are down, so hoping to pick a few more things up if conditions allow, but um, so that's the general direction that we'll head before making the huge leap up to Montana. What are you going to do for the 4th of July? Do you guys do anything fun? You know, every year is a little bit different. Last year at this time, if you remember, the wheat harvest was extremely late. Mm-hmm. And, in fact, some of them, it was it was a record in some places in northwest Kansas. They said that was the latest they'd ever cut. Um, so last year we had spent Fourth of July with our farmer's family in southeastern Colorado, and it was wonderful. They have some children that are close to my children's age, and we met did fireworks together and got to watch them. So that's really special. And um, this year it's kind of yet to be decided since it's about a week and a half off exactly where we'll land. So mm-hmm. it's neat whether you're watching it from the cab of a combine, you know, on the flat plains of Western Kansas, spending time with special families and friends. So I'm sure we'll get up to something when we know a little bit more about what the future holds with heading and weather conditions. Well, I hope you guys get to do something fun. And remember, everybody check out Laura's blog post and the rest of the correspondence on www.allaboardharvest.com. Good luck on the trail, Laura. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time today. Hey, thanks for that update. And remember, if you want to catch up with our All Aboard Weed Harvest crews, visit their blogs at www.allaboardharvest.com and look for their posts in the pages of High Plains Journal each week. All Aboard Wheat Harvest is brought to you by Oklahoma Baptist Homes for Children, Unverfirth Manufacturing, AgriPro Seed, Agco Gleaner, and BASF, who remind you that we're all in this together. High Plains Journal is bringing Wheat Sorghum U back to the Kansas Star Event Center in Mulvane, Kansas, August 11th. Don't miss this one-day event with speakers from around the High Plains, bringing you the education and tools you need to boost your wheat and sorghum bottom lines. Registration is free. Don't delay. Save your seat today at hpj.com. The grain market prices from Dodge City's Pride Ag Resources on June 16th. Corn was up at $3.29. Wheat was down at $3.98. Milo was up at $3.38. And soybeans were up at $7.72. If you'd like to have crop or livestock targeted news emailed directly to you, sign up for our HPJ Direct email newsletters on our website, www.hpj.com slash signup. Simply select the topics that interest you and you'll receive updates on them directly to your email. Be sure to watch for our Rural America issue of High Plains Journal in your mailboxes June 29th with a story from Dave Bergmeier. And look for additional content online anytime at www.hpj.com. Thanks again to Alta Seeds for sponsoring this week's episode. Alta will debut its new iGrowth Sorghum line July 8th in the first ever Sorghum Frontiers Virtual Field Day. iGrowth is the world's first non-GMO herbicide-tolerant sorghum 
that's now commercially available in the U.S. market, enabling pre- or post-emergent weed control. Be sure to register for the online access at hpj.com slash sorghumfrontiers to learn more about this new trait and the company that's bringing it to your farm. Remember, you can subscribe for free to this podcast at hpj.com slash podcast. You can also find us on iTunes, Google Play, and wherever you download podcasts. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at HPJ Talk for news and commentary throughout the week. And you can always drop us a line at our email, hpjtalk at hpj.com. Thanks again, folks, for riding along with us as we bring ag news and commentary to you. And remember, as Dodge City's favorite lawman, Wyatt Earp, once said, fast is fine, but accuracy is everything. We'll see you on the trail. Dirt road in a gooseneck, saddle up with me. Dry land in God's country, crops far as I can see. Headlights on both ends of my day This country life is for me Ride with us, HPJ Ride